Hello, everyone. My name is Brennan Marr. That noise you're hearing is my ventilator. And welcome to a very special Page Turners. They were not my Star Wars podcast. Today, I am joined by a very special guest. He is a movie genius. He is probably responsible for my showdown win. He is the master of writing the questions for us to study. He is the one, the only Chris Engel. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brennan. I'm, I'm glad you had me on. Yeah, so glad to have you. I mean, yeah, so you and, and our friend Chris Dillman have been running uh, the sort of our mock showdown matches on Mark Riley's Discord and on several others. And I've been a part of that for, I think we're coming up on probably two years now. Yep, I we... must say that that has definitely helped me in my endeavors in the FCL. Well, I'm glad it helped you out uh, because it clearly hasn't helped Mark Riley or uh, Video Drew get their belts. So I'm glad somebody got something out of it. <laughs> uh, it, it yeah, I mean, it is. Um, I mean, singles is such a broad category that it's just like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. How does one even study for that? I, it's beyond me, but nonetheless, as far as, I mean, I guess I, I just must have a lot of knowledge swimming around in my brain that I didn't really realize I had till now. So thank you so much for that. Anytime. So let us, today, we, we're not going to reveal to those of you listening what the main topic is. And, but we will reveal it in just a minute, and it's a bit of a surprise. So to begin with, to um, kind of get a gauge of things, so Chris, I'm going to begin by asking you a couple of Star Wars-related questions. Are you ready? All right. So first of all, how did you, how were you introduced to Star Wars? I want to say I was maybe eight or nine, maybe, maybe 10. Um, and I, I had the, uh, the VHS box, you know, that came out uh, in the nineties. Um, you know, it was the one that if you had a, a VCR and you had star Wars, this was the box set you had. And this was before the uh, special editions. Uh, was so this like the THX box set. I, I think so. The ones where do you think where, it was even before that? Uh, it was the ones where, like, uh, the the colors uh, they they were they showed like half images of Vader and Yoda, and they were yeah. like in a pink and a be, blue, and yeah. That would be the THX editions in the early nineties. Yeah, I I watched those so many times, uh, and just really you know fell in love with Star Wars. I mean. I was always a sci-fi kid and my dad was a sci-fi guy. So watching Star Wars was always such a treat, but that's the only three you had growing up. Um, you know, and then when, by the time I was in high school and the, uh, 
the prequel trilogy came out, it's like it opened up a whole new realm of possibilities as to what the Star Wars universe could be. So I, I would say, you know, those those young years, I was like I said, eight or nine, and then even into uh, all the way between the teenage years were definitely uh, prime time for me to be uh, falling in love with Star Wars. Awesome. Um, did you buy a lot of the toys and stuff? I um, I'm trying to think. We had a Millennium Falcon toy, I think, growing up. I uh, I had toys. My main toys were like Power Rangers. Okay. I had uh, I had uh, um, Transformers. I love Transformers. Uh, anything that could change. Uh, and I did have a lot of toys that uh, belong to what we're going to talk about today. I didn't have a lot of Star Wars toys, though, only because we were we were poor. And for some reason, I've never understood it. Star Wars toys were always a little more expensive. Yeah, it's true. And I think the only Star Wars toys I ever had growing up, I had a TIE fighter where the wings could blow off. Oh, yeah. Like damage. Oh, yes. And uh, uh, Luke's uh, uh, Skyhopper. Oh, okay, the T-16, all right. Yeah, yeah, I, and I remember it was so cool because I had never seen this before, but I understood when, when Luke had said, you know, I, I shoot Womp Rats in my T-16 back home, Yeah. and then in the special edition, when you look closer and it was cleaned up, you see Luke flying the same toy that I had. I was yes. like, this is so yes. cool. He's playing around with it in his, his room. Yeah, so those were the Star Wars toys I had growing up. Interesting, okay. So as far as for me, I had a lot of the micro machines. That was my those are the you, Star Wars toys I primarily did had. you have the Legos at all? Well, there weren't any Star Wars Legos at the time. Oh. I, I remember one Christmas. But I did have lots of Legos. <laughs> yeah, I, I do remember one Christmas my parents asked, What do you want for Christmas? And I said, I want Star Wars Legos. Now, mind you, I was a teenager by this point, but now thinking back to it. That's not an uh, unreasonable request seeing some of the video. I've seen Ken Knapsack sit and build Star Wars Legos. Yes, so. yes. <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember the first Lego, uh, first Star Wars Lego set I ever had. I got three of them. I got the X-Wing, the Y-Wing. Um, what was the third? X-Wing, the Y-Wing. It might have been a TIE. In fact, no, it was. It was, it was... Um, uh, uh, it was uh, Vader's uh, TIE Interceptor. That's what it was. Awesome. All right. So, so what then would you say is your favorite Star Wars film? I, I, it's really rough for me because I want to say as, as a film fan and a person who really appreciates movies, Empire is the near perfect film, I would mm -hmm. say. But if I'm going to go back and what film would I watch over and over and over again, just out of pure joy, I I would have to say that um, uh, Revenge of the Sith surprised me so much that I've mm. watched that more times than any other film. Nice, yeah. No, it's, it's so interesting with all the guests I've had on my podcast. The diversity in terms of what are their favorite films. Uh, and that's really cool. It reminds the set. It's a movie I think I appreciate more and more each time I watch it. 
Yeah, it, it has so its flaws. Yours. It has hmm. its flaws, but it's very Shakespearean in yeah. its tragedy. It's very yeah. much like a like a Henry, uh, King Henry uh, play where it has this these moments to it that are very strong and have great characters. Some of the dialogue needs some help. I think yeah. we all can accept that. Yeah. But the action scenes and this descent into madness really comes home in that. And I, I got to say, as an actor, because I also act, uh, the looks that Hayden Christensen gives in that film are bone chilling. They're so good. Yes. Yes, I, I agree. <sighs> Uh, so then that brings us to the third question. Who is your favorite Star Wars character? <laughs> Can't I love them all like a parent should? <laughs> um, does it have to be from the movies? I mean, like, well, no, it could be from the entire Star Wars. Uh, I, I, I I would have to split it because on the light side, I want to say Ahsoka Tano. Okay, good choice. Really impressed me. Uh, but the development of Darth Maul on the dark side also equally impressed yes. me. More yes. than just beyond episode one, once they brought him back in Clone Wars and uh, we saw more in uh, Rebels, mm -hmm. I was really impressed with what they had for him, that they gave him more uh, then we were just led to, you know, he didn't just die. There was a saving, a possible saving grace and he didn't choose that path. And he went darker and deeper and deeper. And uh, he is ingrained so much into the lore that you don't see. Uh, and I, I love him. Darth Maul is just entertaining. And again, a very Shakespearean character. Mm -hmm. And also saved in no small part Thanks to Sam Witwer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sam Witwer's depth that he brings to the character with the voice. Oh, that voice is amazing. It's extraordinary. And it is very dramatic. Mm -hmm. It is very much like you listen to his voice and it's like watching a, a very dramatic Shakespearean actor do their thing on stage. But a lot of credit to Ray Park as well. He yeah. may oh, not yes. voice so I'd had a lot to oh, say. Yes. But again, that fight, uh, I'll argue that the fight in episode one is top three lightsaber battles yep. ever, yep. period. Yep. Uh, and that's due to Ray Park and, and his challenge. In fact, I've seen um, uh, uh, behind the scenes stuff between you and McGregor and him where they would break so many lightsabers, uh, practice lightsabers because they were going full speed. Mm -hmm. I love just the commitment to the energy and think about it up to that point we had never really seen a real lightsaber battle we never saw one we saw you know old man vader and luke who never really received proper training yeah. Yeah. so that that by far showed us what a lightsaber battle could be and it just mm -hmm. oh love it yeah and you had the music there and it's like oh my gosh yeah all right and then a bonus question which i always like to pull out of the hat and that would be, who is your favorite, like, Star Wars weirdo, we'll call them? A weird kind of alien side character that's kind of weird looking that you just love. You just can't get enough of. Salacious Crumb. Yeah, that's a very good choice. He just, I don't know why he's there. He makes no sense. But the guy's got a first and last name, and he's 
practically like a side Muppet. If you think about it, he's there's so much more coolness to him than the movies give us. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, that is a, a great choice. And he's a somebody once said he's a sort of a sadistic um, little twerp. I think it's somebody described him once. Yeah. I, I would have loved to have seen like a side story where Salacious Crumbs survived the uh, uh, the blowing up of Jabba's yacht, uh, and and uh, then uh, Boba Fett climbs out, and just the two of them are traveling the desert together. Yeah. I would I would love to watch that. Uh, yeah, That's Salacious or Sally B as some call him. Yeah, would get sort of a. A, a sadistic kick out of all the suffering of Boba. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, those are all wonderful. That's all just wonderful stuff. And Star Wars is just so rich that way, I think. Um, so now, my friends, we are going to do our swerve. This is the first guest I've had on my podcast since I won the FCL star wars championship belt but here's the swerve my friends we're not going to talk about star wars nope we are going to talk about star trek yes all right now some of you may think it's blasphemy but you'd be surprised at how closely connected these two are and just as we begin our discussion may i remind you According to the book, How Star Wars Conquered the Universe by Chris Taylor, George Lucas said the producer of A New Hope, or Star Wars as it was called at the time, Gary Kurtz, to go to a Star Trek convention, this was before the movie was released, to begin to drum up some excitement for this new film that at that point hadn't come out yet. And it was there that Gary Kurtz first gave kind of a presentation on Star Wars. I believe you can find an audio of it somewhere on YouTube, I think. And this sort of got the ball rolling for an early fandom. That surprisingly, when the movie came out, broke all the records because people had heard about this space offer that was on its way and that began thanks to a star trek convention which then steamrolled the comic-con and just got bigger and bigger to get the word out there that there was this movie that people who like that kind of stuff might be interested in star trek and star wars have a, a shared history in that regard so chris if you don't mind I'm going to ask you the same questions about Star Trek as I did about Star Wars. All right. So, how were you introduced to Star Trek? Very similar way. Uh, being a child of the 80s like yourself, uh, Next Generation was on Prime at that time when I'm really absorbing things like a sponge. Mm-hmm. And I want to say about fifth season or so is when I really actively remember watching Star Trek The Next Generation with my dad um, and just really religiously kind of keeping up with it from that point on. And then, of course, by that point, 
it was already in uh, first run syndication, but it started being syndicated for its reruns. And that's when I started getting caught up with the earlier seasons and we're getting to know Wesley Crusher and Tasha Yar and a lot of those early characters uh, that by later seasons you miss. Um, and I really just, I, I don't know, it was, it was again, space. You know, uh, as a kid, that was always a sell for me, anything in space. But mm -hmm. my dad and I would talk about these kinds of things. And I still remember one morning, my father waking me up at like 4.45 a.m. He's like, son, you need to get up. You need to get up. Why? Come, come out here in the living room. And I he turns on the, uh, the living room TV and it's the original series on at like five o'clock in the morning. And it was trouble with tribbles. Uh. And I remember that and just really kind of it clicking at that point, how Star Trek can be. It doesn't have to be always the brooding seriousness of, of like a Star Wars film. Star Wars can be very serious, very, very strict. Star Trek could be light and funny. Um, and you start to see that. And then the next week, my dad wakes me up again. And we watched the pilot for The Cage, which was rarely put on TV. Mm -hmm. You know, so like I, we really got interested and we would share this bonding experience. And then uh, uh, 1995, I believe it was when Voyager came out. Uh, I think it was 95. Um, we would watch that religiously uh, every week. My dad didn't let me watch DS9. I still don't know why to this day because hot take it's the best star trek series ever done but you know <laughs> um no, I, 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 you're not going to find any disagreement <laughs> but uh we would watch voyager from season one episode one all the way to the end and that began a trend for me in star trek and really getting into it um and now as an adult that star trek is available everywhere you can find it on amazon netflix uh paramount plus you can find it everywhere and just almost uh for everything from original series up through enterprise you can catch up on entirely it's so great to be a star trek fan now because it's just like when i was a kid and now that i have kids i can share with them the great episodes that i remember when i was my kids age mm -hmm. yeah, so you and i are about the same age i think right. yep so for me it was a similar thing where i really vividly begin to remember star trek as my mom was kind of addicted to watching star trek the next generation <laughs> and this would have been in the last probably three seasons um I very distinctly remember the episode Face of the Enemy. Yeah. I remember that, watching that with mom. And uh, so she was really big into it in its last couple seasons. And I watched that. And then I had a friend. He and I are still good friends. My good friend, Scott, who was a huge Star Trek nerd. Mm -hmm. And he got me into, he showed me episodes of the original series. And he had taped episodes of um, the various uh, ones that I, I think I missed, particularly original, particularly, and some of the next gen. And 
I remember DS9 was on about the same time, and, and I was intrigued by that. But that was really my beginning. Was, was the same as you was the next generation. Really quick, funny story. I, th- I think you'll appreciate this. I remember the series finale for Next Generation, uh, All Good Things. Mm-hmm. My my parent or my mother and my grandfather planned for us to take a cross country trip to Indiana, and we were going to drive. The night that it was supposed to premiere, we left that day and the radio was kept broadcasting, you know, the season or series finale, Star Trek The Next Generation. And I was crying because I couldn't watch the series finale of Next Generation. And I remember getting home and asking my dad, did you record it? Oh, sorry, son. I forgot to record it. No! And I went over to my grandma's house uh, at the end of the summer. And my grandma said she had it taped. And we watched it for like 20 minutes. And then my mom came to pick me up. And I'm like, no! I need to see what happens to Captain Picard! (laughs) I didn't see completely the finale for maybe like two years after that. Yeah, yeah. Now I remember seeing the that that the last episode, yeah. but I hadn't seen the first episode of Next Gen, yeah. so I didn't really understand the context of, of what Q was doing, dressed up as a judge, and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Only later, I think, when it was on Netflix, did I really get the full picture. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were introduced by Next Gen. And I think you've already said what your favorite Star Trek series is. Oh, yeah. This then begs the question, what is your favorite Star Trek movie? Um, I go against the grain on this because I argue with Doman on this all the time. Uh, I think we've all kind of agreed that there's a, a trio of great Star Trek films. It's two, six, and first contact. Usually you go to. I always argue that I think First, or I think uh, Star Trek VI is the far superior film that gives you everything you want a Star Trek film and yet has such great relevance to the world around you. Khan is fan service, and, and fan service can be good, it can be fun, but Khan to me, while a good film, is just that. It doesn't really add much else for, for me. And First Contact, I adore First Contact. I do. I love First Contact. But to me, that's not socially relevant. It's good. It's fun. But Six does this great job of being Star Trek while also being socially relevant. Which is kind of what Star Trek has been from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. No, that's a, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Um I think for me it will always be Rathacon. But I adore the Voyage Home. Yeah. That that one will always Star Trek for the Voyage Home will always be well, A, because it was the first Star Trek movie I ever saw. Oh. But B, just because I absolutely adore that one and I watch that one more than anything, but for me it would be two, four, six. Eight. You know, yeah. The, you're, the you're, on the even, even you're on the even you're on the even train. <laughs> yeah. All, yeah. Although I, I have to give love to JJ's 2009 yes. Star Trek. Yes, too. yes, yes. Oh that yes. does such a good job of 
not alienating people coming to watch it who aren't Star Trek fans and yet giving Star Trek fans everything they could possibly want in a film. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. All right. So then, of course, who's your favorite Star Trek character? Um, every, every series has a standout. Always has, always will. And that's part of the allure. Uh, original series, it's Spock. It's always mm-hmm. been Spock. Spock is just, you know, I think that's for everyone. There's a reason Leonard Nimoy was kept uh, after the pilot was redone. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a reason for that next generation my instinct is to say q but uh very much like sheldon in the big bang theory wesley crusher you know mm-hmm. i was a really nerdy kid good at math good at a lot of things but very kind of awkward in a way so i always res- i always responded to wesley crusher but q very close second from next gen q was just always fun yeah. loved watching q episodes and q would show up and be like oh DS9, it's Quark. Mm-hmm. Love Quark. You always wonder what is Quark gonna do now? And he's this kind of anti-hero. He's you know, he's a he's a scoundrel, he's a rap, he's very Han Solo-like in a lot of ways. You know, he's a smuggler, but in the end, he's gonna do the right thing. He will. Yeah. And it's just and he made Ferengi's relevant and cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he fixed that. Voyager, it's the doctor. <laughs> adore the doctor doctor, yeah the doctor episodes always cheer me up enterprise um enterprise didn't have a lot of standouts Mm -hmm. um but the things with t'pol were very interesting i felt vulcans were fleshed out a lot more with t'pol uh and then we you know we could talk about new trek because it just spreads from there but uh uh by far i think in recent times my new favorite character is Ensign Tilly in Discovery. Oh, I love Ensign Tilly. Tilly is amazing. She's got a great heart, a good head. And as an actress, especially during the, the second half of season one, when they went to the Mirror Universe and we saw uh, Captain Killy and the, the, the mm. length that she could go as a character, uh, I, was, I was very impressed with, uh, with our actress. I, I don't know her name, but... Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I do love Tilly. It's um, hard to pick. Star Trek has so much. There is so much available. Uh, and picking a favorite. If I had to go with one character that I could meet and just sit and talk with and just get to know, uh, I'm probably going to go with Wesley Crusher. This is a guy who has done something not even the Q have done, and that's impress uh, the Traveler. You know, that's something I would love to, to understand more that's as true, the yeah. and how, you know, what that feels like and what choices. Because Crusher goes back to Starfleet after abandoning everything, after dropping out all of that. He becomes a lieutenant on the Titan with uh, with Will Riker. I kind of want to know yep. what happened. <laughs> yep. No, I do. I do. The um, It really is something that... <laughs> I would want to know, and of course, I'd love to know the uh, the further adventures of the Titan. Um, we'll get there, and then. So, as far as my favorite Star Trek character, it's really, really hard to say. 
Um, and I'm not sure why I am drawing a blank on some of the characters on Discovery, uh, their names. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Doug, Doug Jones's character. A Saru. Saru. I, I, I love Saru. Um, he's a character that I just, you know, as soon as I met him, I'm like, I like this guy. Um, but as far as characters, I think that it's hard to say, like, a character overall. It's probably someone like Data or Worth. Mm -hmm. um, but a character recently that I really love is Anson Mount as Captain Pike. Yes. Yeah. He was, I think, just a character that just I absolutely love and so excited to just to have more of him. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's something that I think is really exciting yeah. to get more of him and excited about that. So that brings us kind of to our main topic. And that is new Star Trek. Yep. So Star Trek and Star Wars are in a similar boat right now. And that is there is an absence of movies. In fact, I think both have movies that are coming, but are kind of in development hell, it seems. And right now, streaming and the small screen is where it's at. Yep. So um, I'd like to get your thoughts on the state things are in right now. It's, yeah, it's really interesting that both of them are in kind of the same kind of flux right now. Uh, and that the fan, uh, the fan response overall about New Trek as well as the new era of Star Wars is kind of similar. Where um, with Star Wars, you had a lot of people that were resistant to the Disney trilogy, you know, and there are some who argue that they're really great, you know, it's back to form, but you will definitely hear many who argue that, no, they're not great, they're not good, they're not original, you know, I'm in the middle, I have some love for, for some parts, some parts I don't, I'll be fair about it, mm -hmm. but Star Trek is really hitting that stride right now as well, because when you think about it, Star Wars really has lived in the movie realm for many, 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 many years. That's where it sits. It has its TV show moments. It's, you know, it's TV moments. Uh, but for the most part, it's been a film franchise. Star Trek, on the other hand, despite having more films than Star Wars, has lived primarily in the TV universe. It really has. Hmm. Uh, and so those who watch the new Trek now many people are saying this is not my trek this is not what you know when uh in star trek picard when uh uh when uh the uh admiral or no it wasn't uh, oh it was um uh, it was one of the admirals picard is talking during picard is talking to the admiral trying to get help and she's like you got a fucking hubris sorry for the swearing 
but that's what she says. That's her exact quote. That is. Yeah, that is. And and she, you know, people were like, "Wait a second, there's no swearing in Star Trek. What are you doing? This this isn't Star Trek." People throw nuts. Little do they remember that not but a season ago in Star Trek Discovery, Ensign Tilly actually let go the first f bomb in Star Trek history. Uh, and it surprised me, but really? um, you know, uh, Alex Kurtzman came out, and even uh, Patrick Stewart came out and said, "Listen, the only reason you never heard swearing in Star Trek is because we were on television. We can't swear. We can't. I mean, Data gave off an oh shit. You know, swearing happens in Star Trek. Yep. You just can't hear it because of television." Yeah, normally um, I'd say no swearing on my show, but because these are actual quotes. I apologize. It's like uh, these but... are actual quotes, so they, they're okay. But this is the start of it's exactly of... what they say in the show. Yeah, the, this is the start of a change that has really started to happen with Star Trek, and that it has gotten darker. It has gotten deeper into what I call human mythos, not mm-hmm. just like what we believe Star Trek can be or should be. But more into our, our looking at ourselves, you know, and how we are as a society. And that's really started to meld more into new Trek. You know, and there are those who will argue, this is not my Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But I would argue to you that people said the same thing about Next Generation in regards to the original series. People said the same thing about DS9 in regards to Next Generation. Every time something has come along that is a little bit different, people resist. They don't like it. It's not what they're used to. And what I say to people is, you know, I understand the idealism that you get out of Star Trek. I respect that. I understand that. But the reality is that it's, it's not a realistic feature as to what humankind is like. I like the idea that and they Starfleet, now. At least, yeah, not, not now, but I like the idea that Starfleet is not perfect. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that there are flaws. I like the idea that the Federation made a big mistake when it came to the Romulus incident and mm-hmm. and the the whole thing with um, the the uh, artificial life forms. I really like that we're dealing with stuff that again becomes culturally relevant. You it's got it. So good. It is. Really. And and you know, I I will give this about Star Trek. Star Trek has synonymously always had a problem in their first season or two in <laughs> gaining ground. Really, the first yeah, two season seasons. Season one of Discovery was kind of. Yeah, I now season two picked up yes. really, oh, really yes. well. Three was and... pretty good. Three was pretty good. I enjoyed three. Yep. I'm, yep. I'm very excited that I believe it's this month, uh, yep. later this month, four comes out. But we are also blessed with more Star Trek happening at the same time right now than we've ever had. We've got Discovery. We've got Picard. We've got lower decks and now we have star trek prodigy uh, uh prodigy which i'm four episodes in and i gotta say yep. i'm hooked i, I was so i was interested so how it was going to turn out i was like star trek for kids that didn't work well for the animated series this is not your dad's star trek the animated series mm. you know and again it makes it culturally relevant while giving it a new feature and i absolutely love that we are in now with new trek the what i think i would argue is becoming the golden age of trek for fans 
We have so much material to work with. I, that's absolutely correct. And I think that, you know, like where Star Wars is right now, mm -hmm. there are so many entry points into it. Mm -hmm. You can introduce your kids to some of the real, like, younger stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, or you can have the whole new generation now is introduced by, you know, various shows and, and what, what have you. And how you show it to them is interesting, too. And Star Trek is now allow, kind of allowing for this as well. The order that you want to show your kids these pieces can be anything. With Star Wars, you, you could be like, all right, you're going to start with episode one. We'll just go through the whole, you know, we'll go through the whole way you know, and work that way. Or you could be a, a release date, you know, chronological person and go, all right, we're going to start with four, five, six, just like I did. Then we're going to go back and like, and it works. It mm -hmm. absolutely works on so many levels. You know, my, my daughter and I today, we have a date to watch episode one together. I told her, uh, I said over, over uh, through the end of December, every weekend, we're going to watch some Star Wars movies and I want you to get through all of them so at least you know what this is. And if you like them, there are series on Disney Plus that you can watch that I think you'll really like. I mean, Rebels, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels alone, you know, besides Resistance, um, you know, are worth it. And then I, I mm -hmm. told her about The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian's amazing. And so, you know, it's, I get to share these with my kids. It's Sorry. such a wonderful time. Mm -hmm be a fan of these properties and you know you and i are both massive fans of star trek and massive fans of star wars mm -hmm. and just having these kind of concurrently it's really exciting and mm -hmm. also having the having the streaming platforms where you can just at leisure say i'm gonna watch this one today don't have to put it in a disc. Don't have to go search your library. It's right there. You just be like, hey, I'm in the mood for this one. You know, and that's how I go to bed most nights. No joke is I will go to Amazon.com and I will watch uh, an episode of a Star Trek. I never know where I'm going to go. Some days I might watch uh, an original series. I might even go to an animated once in a while. Uh, sometimes I'll do some DS9 maybe mm -hmm. a couple episodes of enterprise the point is i never know where i'm gonna go but i know that i'm gonna have a good time doing it even the worst episodes have something to say have something to present mm -hmm. except for the season finale of uh of uh, next generation and season two we could just throw that away that's that's okay <laughs> just a clip show just a clip show about it. yeah unfortunately yes <laughs> i don't know what they were thinking there but writer strike ideas. that's what they yeah. were thinking <laughs> so it goes but you know we live in such a wonderful time right now especially <laughs> with the new shows is they're cinematic almost yeah very much so and they've grown up they absolutely have grown up we you know this is not again and also not being on broadcast television has its advantages because you can push your envelopes a little bit further. You can use some swear words sometimes. That's fine. Yeah. You can do content. I mean, let me say 
that in uh, in Picard, the death of Echeb got me. Like seriously, right yeah, to the core. Was... You never, ever, 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 ever saw the death of a main character except twice. I'm gonna say twice. Tasha Yar and mm. and uh in Next Generation and uh Jedzia Dax in DS9. Yep. Yep. Other than that, you don't see the death of a character, not like this did. This was like gritty it was real and for me i love Echep. Echep yes. was a, a nice addition to voyager and i really was looking forward to seeing what else he could do you know hearing that they were bringing the character back only to find out that they killed him as a as a motivating factor for seven of nine which just adds to her character going from yep. a borg drone to being this motherly figure i mean and the pain that is on her face when she kills her, basically her own son out of mercy. You don't see that in Old Trek. You would never see that in Old Trek. The closest thing we would get to something like that, I think would be when um, uh, Kirk stopped Bones from saving, um, yeah. uh, uh, what's her name's life in the original yeah, series. I'm... We'd never seen anything like that otherwise. Because that's not the way you present things on television in an hour. You don't do that. New Trek allows us to really go into bounds of our human psyche that we need to approach. We need to. Sometimes there are dark and terrible things that we, we do that linger with us, that stick with us. Mm -hmm. And having these flawed characters just makes them more real. Yeah. And I am... Um... I always like to say that the one of the things that I, I hear a lot is when people say, well, that character wouldn't do X. Okay. I got a little frustrated about it. Yet. This is about a month or two ago. Mm -hmm. So I jumped on Twitter and I said, just because a character does something you don't want them to do doesn't mean they wouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, but I was thinking about some of the things that some of the choices that whether it's, you know, Seven of Nine made in Picard mm -hmm. or Picard himself made in First Contact. Michael Burnham in, in the opening of Discovery. Yep, Michael Burnham. I mean, the thing is people will make bad decisions because that's human nature yep all right so we got that and you know i was thinking about what you were saying about opening seasons of star trek shows are typically eh. yeah they have been the best uh, i was thinking about the card mm-hmm I really liked season one, but there was a lot of weird stuff in it. Yeah. I saw the trailer for season two. I only watched the teaser one time because I don't wanna I don't want to try to overanalyze the teaser. Yeah. But I was watching it going, okay, this feels like it's a cohesive story that's very much in the tradition of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. Q comes along, he sends him into some weird universe. <laughs> 
they have to go back in time and kind of reset it and solve the puzzle. Right. That's very traditional Star Trek storytelling. And I love that. And I'm and so I loved looking... it. I was like, that's what I want to see. I, I'm looking forward to that for that. And and the thing is too, John Delancey. John Delancey is oh, a yes. gift to the Star Trek universe. Oh, I highly is. recommend it is not canon, but if you can ever find it, or I recommend it to your listeners, uh, there are two audio books that were done of Spock versus Q. Yes, I have listened to one of those. They are amazing. And it's lent, they were, the first one was done at a convention, but it's a full performance. And it's the character of Q verbally jousting for about an hour, hour and a half with Spock. And then they did it again another time. And it's so good. Like, I, I wish these characters had met. This is amazing. This is awesome. You know, John yeah. DeLancey has carried himself through. Let me think. Uh, Lancey is in Next Gen, DS9, Voyager, um, and now Picard. Yep. Yeah, he's 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 been in just about as many uh, series as Jeffrey Combs has, it seems. <laughs> I love Jeffrey Combs. Oh, Jeffrey Combs is a whole nother thing. If, if you're if you're a fan of Star Trek, you've seen Jeffrey Combs at some point. <laughs> mm. He's in like everything. He is. He's played a Ferengi. I believe he's played a Klingon. He's played a human. He's uh and Dorian. Yeah, all that yeah, the Ashran. I love Shran. him Shran and yeah. Enterprise. Such an abrasive, nasty fellow. And and now he's an AI uh computer in lower decks. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh, that's right. You know what I forgot? John Delancey was also uh, in an episode of Lower Decks. I forgot about that first season. Yeah, I mean... I gotta, a, I gotta get on the Lower Decks train. There's another interesting zeitgeist. When I heard that they were gonna do a Star Trek animated comedy, and my brain was like, wait, whoa, 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 hold up. Hold the horses here. Because I love my, 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 my uh, uh, Trouble with Tribbles, don't get me wrong. I love the lightness that balances out all of the, the dramatics that happen over time. But Lower Decks is basically Rick and Morty for Star Trek, but it works. It, yeah. And in fact, I think it's the same animation team that does it as well. Um, but it really works. Yeah, that, that would make sense. Yeah. This show is so different than any other Star Trek. It's not serious in any way. And yet, it takes itself seriously while still being hilarious and funny. Mm -hmm. And yet it's still canon. It's Star Trek canon. We don't 100% know exactly where. It, 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 it takes place somewhere between the events of um, Nemesis and Picard. We know that because uh, Riker is uh, still captain of the Titan. Uh, so we know it's somewhere that's, in that. That's way. true, yeah. Yeah, but the point is that we get these great characters and all of these references uh, to Star Trek past uh, that is just so good. And I, I encourage anybody that is not sure about New Trek to give the first season of Lower Decks a chance because it's really going to give you that nostalgia feeling. And you may not understand it as nostalgia, but you're going to see all these references to original Trek and yet how it connects together. And yet it's new, it's relevant, it's funny. It's, it's basically doing, in my opinion, 
what J.J. Abrams did, which is bringing in a new audience and letting you enjoy a piece of art, a piece of television, but still being loyal to the fan base and not ruffling any feathers. Absolutely. You know, I am just so impressed at the variety that Star Trek is able to give us. Yep. Um, you know, lower um, lower decks is definitely sort of for your Rick and Morty crowd. Prodigy mm-hmm. is for kids. Yes. You know, the, the shows are more for us older, slightly grumpy fans. <laughs> you know, and and people like you are going to get even more next year when Brave New Worlds comes. Yes. Out. Oh, I'm so excited about that. You know, and again, you mentioned Anson Mount, where they're giving oh an entire series, and yet they're bringing it. And this is the other thing. They're bringing it back to that classic Trek because they're they're going back to the time before before Kirk. This is when Pike has the, the, the legendary five year mission of Captain Christopher Pike. Right. And yet we still get we're going to get Rebecca Ramon as number one. Who number They one. gave her a name. Yeah, they actually Una, gave her a name. Una, uh... Yeah. Una. Um, we get Cadet uh, Uhura. Neo yes. Uhura. Oh, yes. That's cool. Uh, we get uh, a descendant of Khan. I, or yes. no, no, is it Khan or is it? Um, um, well, it's uh, Nunian. It's Nunian Singh. It's Nunian Singh. Singh. That's right. Yeah, which obviously the uh, the uh, we kind of get the idea of granddaughter what that's be to, all about. Yeah, the great granddaughter to or whatever she is. Like, mm. Yeah, something like that. Uh, but if you've ever seen the Cage, which was the original pilot. Oh yes then all those characters are back and new ones as well. And it's just so, looks so good. And they're going to go with the episodic format of old. So that way there's, it's not waste or spending its time connecting every episode to every episode. Oh. It's just Star Trek being Star Trek. Back you forgot another one. Nurse Christine Chapel. Oh, Chapel! How did I forget Chapel? Yeah, Chapel's coming back too. I love that. That's exciting. And also Dr. Mabango. Yes, I yeah, that's the one appeared I in forget. two episodes of the original series. Spock, we get the the same Spock who we had appeared. Spock, Ethan Peck, we which we met in this season two of Discovery, and then uh, Rebecca Romaine is Una Chin Riley is her yes, name. Yes, so like you're 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 in a point where if you're complaining about the new stuff, okay, I understand it's different. It's not to your taste. Fine, I ask you still to accept it, just like with Star Wars. You still went and saw episodes seven, eight, and nine. You watched mm-hmm. them. You've accepted them as what they are. They are what they are. I ask you to do that here because you're going to get Star Trek that's more to what you're used to, more to what you like. But I would bet dollars to donuts that the influence mm-hmm. of new Trek is really going to kind of reflect back on this, this new Trek of old. And I think we're going to start getting a merger to where you're going to see the federation and the stories that you love and the ideas that you love of this ideal federation but you're going to notice humans with flaws this is the thing in history too when um if you look at what gene roddenberry had to say about original series and next generation he believed that the crew members should not have internal conflict he believed that we yeah. were beyond that. We were yeah. never going to fight anymore because we were just going to get along with everybody. And you can see that for the most part in the original series and in the first couple of seasons of Next Generation. 
they don't really uh, uh, fight each other too much. They don't fight against each other. But once he, unfortunately, uh, he left the show due to starting to uh, failing health. He didn't truly leave. Uh, it was an executive producer, but his health was dwindling. Um, and it started to change. Things started, you know, and we get one of the greatest cliffhangers in Star Trek history with Best of Both Worlds, where literally you are fighting against each other. Oh, yes. You know, forget uh, uh, Picard against the Enterprise or Lucotus against the Enterprise. What about Commander Shelby and Riker? The tension in that episode. It shows change. I think you're going to get more of that style while still have that hopefulness that you want in your classic Trek. And I think you're going to yeah. get that. And you're going to come to find that the Treks that we have now that people are complaining about, the Discovery, the Picard, that they're more in line with what you loved. It's just now that you're an adult, the world is different than what we grew up with. Mm-hmm. The world is different today. And times change. And this Star show... Trek has always been about what's going on at the moment of those episodes. Well, aren't we going on 60 years with Star Trek? Yes, we We're are. going on 60 years. This show has and evolved. Five more years. Five more this, years. This there. show has evolved so much from the beginning. From yes. what, what began as Wagon Train to the Stars. It has evolved. Our world has evolved in 60 years. We need to be able to come together. And it's the same thing with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You know, that this is not the world that we are living in. We have people who have experienced new things. Things are going to change. Things are going to, you know, happen differently than we would always like them. But we still accept them mm-hmm. as the evolution of mankind. And that, to me, is what Star Trek is all about. It isn't about harmony. It isn't about technology. Although Star Trek very much is technology, while I will argue it's Star true. Wars yeah, is mysticism. And I'm okay with that. But it is about evolution. The growth of man and where we go. As Q says, the trial has never ended. And it hasn't. We as mankind are being tested every day. And our world is in not a great place. I'm sorry, but I don't want to see TV that's happy-go-lucky and, you know, reflects not the world that I live in. I want elements of realism with my, my, my science fiction. Yeah. Star I Trek is about, it's, it's an interesting dichotomy. Mm-hmm. Because it's about the idealism of what we could be. Right. At the same time, it also comments on what we are. Yes, and Star Trek has done that better than anyone. Yes. Any any series, it is so good. I mean, Balance of Terror, uh, uh, one of my top five favorite original series episodes, Balance of Terror, dealt with the Cold War. Like, really, it, it dealt with uh, submarine warfare uh, and was kind of, yeah. a, kind of a take on... Um, I can't remember what the movie was. There was a movie. The Enemy Below. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So you're better with that than I am. Uh, Enemy Below. Uh, And it was so good because you were dealing with people, you know, uh, they didn't see each other. They didn't know each other, one of what's going on. And yet they were having to fight each other. And you saw the loss of of, of somebody on screen at that point too. Wasn't a main character, but we started everything out with a wedding 
and then the the uh, groom was killed. The groom was killed during yeah. during this battle. Oh yes. Whoa. Yeah, pretty uh. You know, but that <laughs> very hard hitting stuff. It's like, but that oh, was real. Word. That was what was going on. The um, the episode with uh, Frank Gorshin, uh, with the black and white and white and black yeah, faces. Let that be your last battlefield. Thank you. I, again, I'm not great with names, but you you got it. I believe uh, that's the one. Yeah, the, this whole idea that what side of the face are you on is almost irrelevant. Yeah, it's like we you know, hate each other because <laughs> you're slightly different than me. You yeah, know, it's like. You know, and Star Trek continues to go with that. I mean, uh, DS9, uh, when when we had the episode where Cisco uh, kind of goes into this fantasy realm where he's a 1930s yeah, or far, far beyond the stars. Yeah, far beyond the stars, where he's a writer, and we start questioning whether whether DS9 is in the mind of this writer, yep. or this writer is in the mind of Cisco, or both, or both. And it's really a, an interesting take, but again, deals with this concept of racism that is still occurring. Let me just say that that episode might be one of, if not the greatest Star Trek episode of all time. It is so relevant and so good. Absolutely one yep. of the best television episodes of all time. But, but yeah, I mean, Star Trek is is these things. Absolutely. And then that's what it gives it to get gives to us is the chance to talk about these things. You don't like it. That's fine. You see something different. We are blessed in that we are getting so much content that we can take these in and kind of see to them as we as we do. But the reality is we still have to take them as they are and then critique them. But we can't change them. We shouldn't change them. We should no. let the storytellers tell yeah. the story. And then we take it the way we do. As That's they what's... like to say on Force Center, mm -hmm. engage with the story presented to you. Mm -hmm. yep. And I absolutely agree because I think that this is something that needs to be understood is, is we can't change those works, mm -hmm. but we can change how we look at them. The, the Star Wars quote that I could apply to this, this is the quote that I live my life by, I think, mm -hmm. is the quote when Qui-Gon says to Anakin, always remember, your focus determines your reality. Right. And if we focus on what we like about Star Trek mm -hmm. or Star Wars and not what we don't like and focus on what do we connect with? What is the story trying to say? Right. That's far more important than, oh, I didn't like that this or that. Or yeah. that. You know, it's funny you use a Star Wars quote to really kind of bring it all home because I also have a Star Wars quote that I remember too when, when dealing and, and, and talking about what is being presented to us. And that's fear is the path to the dark side. Fear yep. leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. You Why do we need to fight about the, you know the, whether they're good or bad you can have di discussions you can have discourse but too many things become very evil very quick in the comment section mm -hmm. and i don't literally mean the online comment section although these days that's where a lot of it goes the comment section of life mm -hmm. you know wherever that that is 
And what you have to do is to realize that not every story resonates with everyone in a certain way, but the point being is that it does resonate with you in some way. And you reevaluate how you feel about yourself after watching that. You don't like it. That's fine. But it made you feel something. And that is important to evaluate our emotions. And, and I think that's a great thing about both Star Wars and Star Trek is that in the end, they really allow us to evaluate our, our emotions and how we feel about life and how we want to live. Do you want to be the Anakin Skywalker and go down the path of jealousy and rage only to destroy everything around you? Or do you want to be more Luke Skywalker who still made a huge mistake, nearly destroying his nephew and setting off a chain of events because he didn't have any faith? But, but the point... You learned a valuable lesson. Yes, but the point being that in the end, whether I like Last Jedi or not, which I'll tell you, uh, uh, Last Jedi is okay. I'm not a big uh, Rise of Skywalker fan, but it made me feel something. And I have something to talk about and something to think about. And that's what a good story is about. We, we talk are about, about ideas that yeah. make you think. Mm -hmm. And I, I highly recommend, because there is so much Star Trek out there, that there are stories out there for you. Maybe you don't like the series as a whole or, or the franchise as a whole. Okay, yeah. but I can guarantee you that there are episodes, individual episodes oh, of yes. different series that I could show you that would make you go, whoa. Yeah, if I were to show somebody far beyond the stars yes. and they're not a big Star Trek fan, I go, look at this not as Star Trek. Mm -hmm. But look at this as more like a you know, a, 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 a like a serialized movie. I'm down a black writer. I mean, look at it that way. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it is astonishing the degree of variety that you will find in both franchises. Yeah. That will be like you can do it this, you can do it that. You know, it's not all one thing. Yeah. So that kind of brings us here sort of to the end of our discussion. You know, it, it's just so wonderful that we live in a time where we have access to all these things. Mm -hmm. With new shows and new stories on the horizon. Um, and all of them, you know, whether they are for you or whether they're not for you, they are attracting new fans and old fans to the these franchises and are demonstrating that there is so much content that it's like a buffet you can pick what you want and what you like right and if you don't like something well that's fine there's going to be something else that you probably will like yeah so anyhow um Chris, I think as to end with, I'll ask you two questions. All right. One, what does Star Trek mean to you? And two, what does Star Wars mean to you? Let's begin with Star Trek. Uh, 
Wow. That actually, that's wow. That kind of a question is real deep. Like I never really thought of that, what it means to me. Um, Why do well, you connect with it? That's really. Yeah. I, 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 while I agree that Star Trek is kind of the hopefulness of where we can be, I also believe that Star Trek is who we are at the same time, deep down inside, both the good and the bad. But at the same time, I feel Star Wars is kind of that same thing because you have this discussion of the dark side versus the light side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I really love how Yoda, or when, when, when Luke asks, is the dark side stronger? No, just more seductive, more, you know, more manipulative. That's not a full quote, but yeah. And that's right. You know, the idea of doing the wrong thing is is uh, seductive you could do the wrong thing for the right reasons or you do the right thing for the wrong reasons and star wars really kind of deals with this uh, absolutism that exists mm-hmm. but i i really think when you have a character like ahsoka tano when when she was introduced mm-hmm. really is this uh pivotal example of how you don't just because you do something wrong doesn't mean you're evil just because you do something good doesn't mean you're inherently good what it means is that we have the capability to make choices and that's what both mean to me mm-hmm. in the end is choice while and star you, trek yeah. and you all have the choice we all have the choice mm-hmm. every day to do something good or do something bad I absolutely love the character of Anakin Skywalker. And at times, I mm-hmm. feel like Anakin Skywalker. Oh, yes. This is a guy who didn't believe that he was doing anything wrong. He believed he was doing right. Yep. He was doing for the right reasons. He was manipulated. He was twisted, but he believed in it. And in the end, he corrected himself and redeemed himself uh, to the point that he was able to ascend to truly be one with the Force. Yep. You know, so that, that that's the kind of character that I love seeing where Anakin Skywalker is that epitome uh, while Ahsoka lives and, and lives with that choice and being a gray Jedi, kind of showing that right in the middle behavior that I'm not a true Jedi, but I'm not a Sith. You know, I like that. Mm-hmm. And Anakin Skywalker is that we can make mistakes, but we can improve. I, I think that's what, what Star Trek or what Star Wars does is it shows you you have a choice, but it also shows you you can redeem yourself. While Star Trek uh, very much kind of gives us that plethora of what we can do when we grow. What we could do when you make the right choices. And it doesn't necessarily mean good side, bad side, because even when you continue to make the right choices through life, you can still make a mistake, all of the Federation and the Romulus incident. Mm-hmm. You can make a mistake. I think the Federation is a great idea. I think the Federation is a wonderful idea. I would love to see a future where our Earth comes together and we are united with others. I'd love to see that. But even after that happened, they still showed that they are only, quote, quote, human. They're not all human, but they made a mistake. Yep. And that's what that is. It comes down to choice and what where you bounce back from that. 
Do you let that consume you or do you redeem yourself? Do you correct the issue uh, uh, or do you not accept your flaws and try to hide it? It's humanity in a, in a bubble. Star Wars and Star Trek is humanity. Well, I'll tell you what, Chris, I could not have put it any better myself. I think that, you know, it's been, your insight is so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful that we've been able to have it on our show today. So, anyhow, everyone, we, Chris and I are huge stands, and we both find the hope and the lessons that are contained in Star Wars and Star Trek. And we hope that those of you who may not be big, maybe on Star Trek, will give it the opportunity. And if it works for you, it works. If not, it, it doesn't. But I don't think the franchises are that dissimilar in terms of their morals at the end of the day. So those are our thoughts on Star Trek and Star Wars. Let us know, let me know, and let Chris know what you think. So to end with, I want to thank our guest, Chris Engel. Chris, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me on. And tell the good people where they can find you. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at single, C-I-N-G-L-E, 1984. You can also find me on Twitch from time to time, where I have been known to play some Star Wars games, some uh, older school Star Wars games uh, from time to time. But I also love playing RPGs, uh, and I've been known to do RPG theater. You can also find me on Riley, uh, Mark Riley and uh, Video Drew's Patreon. Uh, training them to hopefully one day win a movie trivia showdown singles belt. Just like you trained me. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I helped. I helped a little. <laughs> yes, I, I definitely say go check out Video Drew and Riley's Patreon. There's a lot of fun stuff to be had there. Joining out, folks, my name is Brennan Marr. <laughs> That noise you're hearing is my ventilator, and thank you for tuning in to Page Turners They Were Not, my Star Wars podcast. Live long and prosper, and may the Force be with you.